welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is Matt, and again, I am not joined by David, as it's another one of those episodes. Um, You probably guessed by the episode title, this week I'm sitting down to listen and review the entire Lady Christina Season 1 Big Finish box set. Um, This was kindly donated to us by Jake from the Married to Who podcast as a nomination for a bonus episode based on donations to last year's Wheelie Big Quiz. Um, There's four episodes I need to get through. Each one's an hour long. Um, Not sure whether I'm going to sit and listen to them all in one sitting or whether I need to break each episode up. But we're going to start with episode one. It Takes a Thief. Now this is written by John Dorney. And if I just quote from his Wikipedia page. um, His script Solitaire was rated the most popular Doctor Who companion chronicle of 2010 on the Timescales website. And was the runner up in Unreality Sci-Fi Net's poll for Story of the Year. So hopefully this is going to be of a fairly high quality um, it's directed by Helen Goldwyn, and it says, if I give you a quick synopsis, the French Riviera has always provided rich pickings for the aristocratic cat burglar. Lady Christina is enjoying the high life while adding to her collection. But when suspicion falls on her after a robbery turned murder, Christina decides to catch the culprit herself. Now I'm just going to take a little bit of a look at the sleeve notes, see if there's anything of any relevance, of any importance. Uh, If they'll come out, there we go. Uh, No, just a picture of Michelle Ryan and a few notes on the episode from John Dorney. Um, So hopefully we'll get off to a good start. I'm just looking. It does feature Sam Bishop, played by Warren Brown. We've seen him recently in Praxeus. Um, It says here as well, it also features Sylvia Noble, played by Jacqueline King. Is that Donna's mum? Any other characters I recognise? No, no. Any other actors I recognise? No. Okay, so let's give this a go. Episode 1, It Takes a Thief. I'll be back with you soon with my thoughts. Okay, so I'm about halfway through uh, episode 1. There's four main chapters and I've listened to the first two. I'm going to listen to the second half in a moment or two but I thought I'd just take a little bit of time to review that first half whilst it's fresh in my mind and the absolute first thing I need to say is the theme music to this series is an absolute banger what I'm going to do is just put in a tiny sample of the opening theme music to this series So 
So yeah, not as painful as I thought the first half of this first episode. We open with a robbery. We later find out that is the robbery of Maud Hunter. We get the entrance thing, which is excellent. And we open in Nice, where the wallet of Ivo Fraser Cannon is stolen by some street thieves. We get a chase and recovery once Lady Christina has arrived. And Ivo alludes to his grandmama's diamond engagement ring. So, of course, this then piques the interest of Lady Christina, who obviously wants it as part of her collection. We go back to the hotel where we're introduced to Carla, who seems to be Christina's friend and almost servant, and the introduction of Flavia Santos, an Interpol agent who believes because Maud Hunter was killed and valuables were taken that Lady Christina might be culpable for that murder. However, at the time, although Flavia doesn't know this, Christina was busy stealing a necklace in Monaco, I think it is, when the murder happened. So, Christina agrees to go for lunch with Ivo because she plans on stealing Grandmama's ring, which has a rare gem, often referred to as out of this world. Again, so it links to the sci-fi element. Christina's obviously interested, wants to steal this ring because she thinks this gem now will be priceless because it's an alien artefact. They go to a clifftop, which was the site of the most recent theft, because Christina manages to link all the recent thefts in the area to a meteorite that has fallen. And whilst they're on the way there, Flavia searches Christina's room. So that's the first half of episode one. Like I say, I am going to sit down and listen to the second half now. Um, hopefully it's as enjoyable as the first. I, I was surprised by how much I actually quite liked this first episode. So I'll be back with you soon with my thoughts on the second half of this episode to catch a thief. So the second half of this adventure opens in Maud Hunter's apartment. I think I said they were climbing a cliff face um, that was to get them here at Maud Hunter's apartment. They notice that the window isn't smashed, it seems to have been removed, and there's scorch marks across the tiles of the room, which no human weapon could make. There's lots and lots of police uh, that seem to have planted evidence in Christina's room. She's arrested and tells Ivo that he needs to tell Carla we're going to initiate Plan C. Plan C seemingly stands for Cliff, as Christina escapes arrest by running and jumping from a cliff. Uh, she disguises as a waiter and later meets up with Carla again. Whilst disguised as a waiter, this is where things get interesting. Uh, Christina has a stolen phone which she uses to call specialists. She calls Unit. In particular, she gets put through to Sam Bishop, who is fighting at the time an alien pterodactyl. So it could be those Reaver, Reaper, whatever they're called from Father's Day. They maybe have finally made that comeback, Jake, that you said would never happen. Um, 
So she's planning on breaking into Ivo's room, but she wants to know what's going on. And it turns out that a former unit employee stole an alien tech detector. So all these thefts that we now know seemingly are alien technology are being perpetrated by a former unit employee who's using this detector. Uh, Christina enters Ivo's room and Flavia is already there. Uh, and it turns out that this has all been a setup so people can steal Christina's alien tech. Um, it doesn't tell you at this point what that is. I'd kind of forgotten, but it did make me laugh when that is discovered at the end. Uh, Flavia has been the thief all along, so she's been posing as a police officer so that she can get close to these crime scenes in order to steal equipment for herself. Uh, Ivo may be working for Interpol himself. We have a shootout and Christina and Ivo escape to the roof. Now this is where we're introduced to Christina's technology because of course it's the flying bus which is parked on the hotel roof which they use to escape. However Flavia has jet boots. So there's a little punch up on the old bus. They chuck Flavia out and go to celebrate their escape with a drink. Uh, Flavia's turned over to the authority and as Lady Christina leaves we get a call from Sam Bishop to Ivo, who says he's reclaimed all the missing technology, except one part seemingly is missing. And of course, it's the alien technology detector, stolen by Lady Christina, so that kind of sets up where we're going with the rest of this series. Um, not a bad start for a pilot, you know. Could have been a lot worse, I quite enjoyed that, quite enjoyed that. So I'm going to move into episode 2 next, which is titled Skin Deep, and seemingly does have Sylvia Noble on the front, so it's going to be an interesting introduction, see how those two characters link together. Uh, it is written by James Goss, who, when I looked, has contributed to wider Doctor Who through online animations, um, there's that one that David keeps talking about. Scream of the Schalke and Sharda. Um, as well as that, he's seemingly written books about, you know, the wider Doctor Who universe. Uh, seems to have done absolutely loads. Absolutely loads. I think he's contributed to Big Finish quite a lot in the past. Um, in 2016, James Goss's novels, What She Does Next Will Astound You, tied into Class, which was published. So might further down the line you know one project at a time can't just jump to that uh, so yeah so this is directed again by helen goldwyn and i'll just give you the little synopsis sylvia noble always knew she deserved better so when a chance encounter with an aristocracy propels her out of chiswick and into high society she's delighted but the beautiful people have their own agenda and christina is surprised when those plans involve her father. So we're going to get... Uh, it'd be an interesting dynamic if we got a romantic relationship that tied Lady Christina to Donna. Um, obviously now Donna's a multi-billionaire after her exit. So, yeah, could be, could be quite interesting. 
Um, so I will be back soon with my thoughts on episode two of the Lady Christina box set, Skin Deep. So I'm now halfway through episode two. Uh, I think it is probably a good idea to break these episodes up into halves. And I don't want to speak too soon, but I'm enjoying this so far. This hasn't been a chore at all. So episode two, Skin Deep, opens with Sylvia Noble. So straight in at the beginning, we've got Sylvia back who meets Christina at the hairdressers. They go together to the National Gallery. Christina invites Sylvia uh, to opening night and introduces Sylvia to her two friends, Malia and Tamarind. Uh, they discuss a new makeup product they're using called Amber. So obviously, straight from the get-go, we realise that's probably going to be the problem which is making them all beautiful and lovely, except one man who's been using it who throws himself off the roof. So maybe the next day, but certainly soon after, Christina goes to Sylvia's house. Uh, they have a little chat about Donna, whilst Christina's attempting to find alien technology there. Uh, she does find the Atmos Satnav, and has a look in Wilf's shed at all his property. So good little hark back to old episodes there. And Christina then suggests that Sylvia accompany her to Malia and Tamarind's party. Even though Christina herself isn't invited, they still make sure that they go along. And once there, everyone's really thin and pale again. So we know that Amber is going to be the key point. Uh, Christina recognises one of the guests there. It turns out it's her dad. It's a high society party, this. So they have a little chat, and there's allusions to the fact that her father's been in prison when he lost all the family money. Uh, Malia and Tamarin try to get Sylvia to try Amber, and she says she's not into all these beauty programs. Remember what happened with the adipose. But she is given Amber, which makes her pretty. Although Malia and Tamarind now begin to laugh at Sylvia to her face, upsetting her. And when she says, oh, I'll get Christina, they laugh again and say, well, Christina's just a thief. Little more, little less. So Sylvia confronts Christina until her face begins to hurt and she feels faint. Uh, Christina's still on the search for alien stuff and finds a safe. So they've gone their separate ways at this point in the story. Uh, Sylvia is with Malia and Tamarind who reveal that Amber makes flesh easier to feed off and they want to plant eggs in her. So little reveals here to what we get to the fact that these two are secretly insectoid beetle aliens the amber contains digestive enzymes to break people down so their offspring find it easier to eat them uh, sylvia hits one of them and cracks their shell that's how we get the reveal that they are beetles so christina then comes back to save sylvia and whilst hiding uh, Sylvia mentions the doctor. She says, oh, my daughter's travelling companion will come and save us. Um, 
And the first half, I think it's about chapter three, ends with Sylvia having a beetle on her. And the creatures below say the swarm has begun. All must join the amber. So a nice little cliffhanger for the halfway point. Um, there's two chapters still to go. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't want to speak too soon. I kind of had this with class, where I'm enjoying things so far. So far, so good. So I'll be back shortly after I've watched... Watched, sorry, I mean listened to the second half of this episode. So I'll catch you soon with my thoughts. Right, well, two down, two to go. So having just finished Skin Deep, I'll just wrap up the plot from the second half. Um, as I last left you, Sylvia had a big beetle on her, but as her and Christina were hiding in a cupboard, Christina found some fly spray and used that. Whilst this is going on, the bugs downstairs just seem to be massacring the guests. I don't know for definite, but I think the race are known as the Amber. So Christina attempts to rescue her dad and they make their peace, having previously mentioned that they'd been distanced from one another. Her dad then offers to help the aliens in exchange for benefits. However, this is just a distraction so Christina can escape and he is attacked. When I say attacked, all the guests seem to be wrapped in sticky cocoons. Christina goes back to opening the safe where she detected alien stuff earlier and finds a Fryon Enhancer, which she thinks she can use in conjunction with the drill that she's had to open the safe, uh, which emits a frequency that the bugs seemingly don't like. Uh, Christina's possessed dad invites her to join the Amber, but instead she blasts all the beetles with the horrible sound that they don't like, and they use Sylvia's ring to amplify the frequency even more. Um, I must admit, I maybe missed any mention of the ring earlier. I know that she said that the stone wasn't set fully in it, but I, I must have missed that. So, all of the bugs are defeated, and when Sylvia awakens, she's been spoken to by Sam Bishop. So, second appearance from him. Um, he basically says, everything's fine, don't panic, it's all okay. And... When Sylvia makes her peace with Christina's father, they talk about, you know, fathers and daughters. When she talks about Wilf and then talks about her own daughter, uh, we find out Christina had stolen her father's watch. So, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Uh, looking forward to episode three, which is Portrait of a Lady by Tim Dawson. Uh, Tim Dawson has written for two pints of lager and a packet of crisps and... Yeah, just some big finished stuff for Doctor Who. Um, so, Portrait of a Lady, interestingly, on the CD case, has a Sontaran, as well as Sam Bishop playing a prevalent role. So, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. So, the episode description is, When her plot to steal a priceless painting runs into trouble, Christina crashes into an undercover unit operation and Sam Bishop. Soon, her number 200 bus is racing from Europe to South America and into the depths of the Pacific, chasing a mysterious and unstoppable foe. Um, 
I mean, I'm guessing that's the Sontaran, judging by the case. Uh, I had a little look at the CD notes for the last episode, and it just had a quick note from the writer. Uh, it's the same here, just a little uh, note from Tim Dawson. So, looking forward to that, episode three. Um, I wasn't intending on doing this, but I have listened to the first two episodes on the same day, so it could be one sitting, all four episodes. I've still got episode four to go. Um, I don't think I'm going to take the time to listen to the CD extras, but you never know. You never know. So I will be back shortly with my thoughts on episode three, Portrait of a Lady. Now, I don't want to get into the habit of saying each episode is better than the last, but I, I am surprised by the quality of this series. Um, I, I can't deny, I'm, I'm having a pretty good time with this so far. Um, episode 3 then, Portrait of a Lady. We are introduced to Leon and Lucy, who are working for El Guapo. Um, they are plotting to steal a painting, and they're told that they need to strike tonight because somebody else is attempting to do the same. So they raid the vault room from the sewers, and interestingly, this episode has a different theme tune to the last couple. Um, it's not as good. That would be my main critique of this episode so far, that I miss the good theme music. Um, so Sam Bishop is investigating the theft, uh, the painting obviously being stolen, and we find out it's perhaps an alien painting. It's too perfect to be completed by a human. Uh, we're introduced to a Sontaran known as Grunt, who is tracking the painting, but it's being hacked by somebody in Mexico. When Lucy and Leon get to the drop-off, having stolen the painting, they're intercepted by Sam Bishop, uh, who is pretending to be Juan Pablo, the person intercepting uh, the drop-off of this painting. Um, he takes them to Argentina as he wants to investigate further, but as they're on a boat, something crashes into it. Obviously, the Sontarans that are attacking. It turns out it's just one Sontaran. It's just this grunt character. Uh, and they're the only survivors. So it does say it's an aircraft carrier. So who is driving it and what happens to it later on when they're removed? Um, so the Sontaran grunt is working with a guy called Algernon who wants the painting except it's stored in a special orb uh, with unbreakable locks it would seem. Sam Bishop is curious why Grunt, the Sontaran's acting as a mercenary and acting without honour, and he notices pretty much straight away that Grunt has a brain implant. It's only at this point that Lady Christina finally arrives and enters the story, and is revealed as El Guapo, the person orchestrating the theft of this painting, obviously wants it for herself. And when she does arrive, she does knock out Grunt. We find out the painting is telepathic, only works when one person views it, uh, because it relays that person's private view of what perfection is. Uh, Algernon explains that he found and rescued Grunt when he was perhaps crashed on Earth, 
And to escape the crossfire, Lady Christina and Sam Bishop hide themselves in that protective orb that was keeping the paintings safe. Thankfully, Christina stole the key, so they were able to get out of it. Okay. So, first appearance of the flying bus this episode. They take it to track the painting to an auction site where Leon and Lucy had stole the painting and planned to sell it for themselves. We find out Lucy's got a little boy uh, and she just wants to do right by him. Uh, Algernon drills through the floor and plans to reclaim the painting. That's where we end chapter... Chapter 2. I think there's only four chapters to this story, but chapter 2 is twice as long as usual. It's about 20 minutes for that one. So, yeah, so far so good. I think I am going to reach a point where I'll probably just listen to the fourth one straight after this. May as well get them all knocked out in a day, because I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, so I'll be back shortly with my thoughts on the second half of Portrait of a Lady. Great news everyone, the excellent theme music returns for the outro of episode 3, so no need to panic, it's not going anywhere, uh, I think they just changed the intro just because this was set in South America, um, so panic over, no need to worry. Right, the second half of episode 3, we find out Algernon has a flying Bentley, which is nice. Uh, he flies after the bus and they're shooting at it, causes a big crash and the bus lands in the ocean where a shark attacks. And it's not just any old shark, it's one which itself has a brain implant, same as Grunt. Uh, they swim to a tropical island, although when they arrive on the beach, Sam's unconscious and Christina is missing. She's trapped in a cell. Uh, all along, we thought Algernon was the big bad, but it turns out he's been working for a lady, and it's Professor Leslie Plush who was working at the gallery earlier, which is, you know, a surprise since she was the only other named character in this story. She's got an underwater base and loves sharks, and when Christina is left alone with the painting, the painting communicates with her and shows her her inner soul and says that she's sad. Which, you know, I think they say, so alive, yet so damaged. So, it's sad, that. Sam and Lucy break into the base. Um, Leon is injured, but Lucy says she needs to do this to feel alive. And Sam challenges the Sontaran grunt to a fight. Obviously going to knock his brain probe out. Because Grunt is revealed to be Group Marshal Skrall. And once he's liberated from his mind probe, he fights Algernon and they fall in a shark tank. And we believe that's the end of their story. Uh, Christina forces Leslie to look at the painting, which reveals her dark soul to herself. And, you know, that's kind of the end of her part of the story. And the whole episode... Ends with Sam saying, you know, I've got to accost Christina here. You're coming back to Britain with me. But would you believe she's a master pickpocket. She steals his keys and gets away. And the low point of this episode is the mention of Osgood. When Sam says Osgood would love the flying bus. So, up next, episode four. Death on the Mile. Uh, 
by Donald McCleary. Not a name I'm familiar with, I'm just going to give him a quick Google. Um, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, and according to IMDb, he's best known for his Radio 4 comedy show, Fags, Mags and Bags. Well, there we go for that. So, let me just give this synopsis a little read. Lady Christina has been offered a job, the heist of her lifetime. She simply has to break into Edinburgh Castle. At the same time, UNIT are investigating alien activity at the military tattoo. And where there's treasure and treachery, there's also Slitheen. So good to see them back. Um, I was just going to say he was playing the Slitheen, but I think that's actually inside another one of the CD cases. So what I'm about to do is give this a listen. And I will be back with you after I've reviewed episode 4, Death on the Mile. Right, here we go. We're on the home stretch. I've got about 20 minutes left to listen to of Death on the Mile. Okay, so one thing I haven't really mentioned, but it's plagued me until this final episode, is there's loads of spelling mistakes in the tracks. So when I've put it into my PC, um, one of the tracks should be called Sorry I've Not Been In Touch but it's spelled Sorry I've Not Been I Touch um, there's just more than one of those throughout the different CDs so this episode opens with a couple having steak pie for tea uh, that is Robin and Elaine and Elaine calls a reporter friend of hers called Jackie saying oh, I'm slightly concerned about Robin he's been too nice um, Christina has just finished her last job and is ready to escape she's got an accomplice ready to pick her up but she's intercepted by Edward Scott Cameron who has a treasure hunt for her um, it's the war chest from the seven year war so predating World War One and it's somewhere in Edinburgh Castle. Um, speaking of Edinburgh, Sam Bishop is there for the Edinburgh Tattoo, just adding a bit of extra security, preventing any alien interference. And Jackie, the reporter friend from earlier, goes to see Robin. She asks him to play his pipes, because he's involved in the tattoo, and he refuses, so that rouses her suspicion. He does give her a story about a ghost and the Lone Piper, but we can deduce from that that this isn't Robin, and he cannot, in fact, play those pipes. Um, Christina drugs some security to break into the castle. They give her the truth about how the bin men get in, and Jackie and Elaine investigate the piping band. Sam sees Christina driving a bin lorry, but then he's beaten up by all the pipers, and Christina in turn beats up a security man with the worst Scottish accent imaginable. I think Big Finish can do better. She then pretends to be a food journalist to sneak in. Um, Sam is tied up by his captors, and he called Captain Hanley, one of his friends, but when Hanley arrives, he pulls a gun on him. Christina has found the anteroom with a map to the treasure buried under the foundations of Edinburgh Castle. And she thinks she might dig it out whilst all the fireworks are going off, 
but instead she uses a matter displacer manipulator. Okay. Um, one of the men holding Sam attacks, and once Christina's got the treasure chest, everyone approaches. She has a nice reintroduction to Sam, and all the captors start fighting and have zips. So it alludes to the fact that they are the Slitheen. They're trying to settle off-world debts, so they also want the treasure. And whilst this is all happening, Jackie just smashes a big vat of pickled onions on them. Uh, I can't remember whether acid impacted the Slitheens in that way in the show. Uh, but yeah, all the vinegar gets on them and they're all really hurt. Uh, they throw like gherkins at one another and it's all good fun. Um, some Slitheen escape as lava begins to come through the floor because they've broken up the rock beneath the hill, which is a dormant volcano. In order to escape, the flying bus is now remote control. Brilliant. So I thought the flying bus was lost at the bottom of the ocean from last episode, but no. Now, not only is it back, it's also remote control. So yeah, I've got 20 minutes or so still to go, so I'll be back with my final thoughts on the Lady Christina Season 1 box set. And the end of this episode, Death on the Mile. Well, we've done it. All four episodes in one day. Wasn't the plan, but there we go. Um, so the second half of episode four. They use the grav pen to catch lava bombs as they're flying through the exploded volcano. And dig a trench to divert the lava. They stop it, and the bus apparently now works underwater. It's a bit of a running joke that every episode the bus has a new modification that's quite convenient. The Slitheens all free themselves, and Christina challenges one of them to a fight. They're now back at Elaine's house, and she realised Elaine was having fish and chips for tea. So again, lots of salt and vinegar throws vinegar on the Slitheen, and ultimately we're down to just the final Slitheen, which is Lord Edward, who escapes, and has been using the Wallace Monument as a rocket. So if you're ever in Edinburgh, and take the time to take a look at that, just know it's actually a Slitheen spacecraft. Um, they fly after him in the bus, because of course they do, that's the main part of all these episodes, and crash into him. We find out that the war chest actually contains the first instance of printed money. Uh, so it's absolutely worthless now that they've taken the time to get it. And when they crash the bus into the Slitheen ship, it crashed into another dormant volcano. Oh, crikey. As the Slitheen's last act of revenge. So the only way they can solve that, they use the gravity pen again and lift all of Edinburgh Castle to use it as a plug. So totally just redevelop the entire city of Edinburgh. Uh, the bus dive bombs into the ocean, and we assume Lady Christina's dead. Well, there's a little bit at the end where Sam's talking to Jackie and Elaine, and he gets a call from Unit to say there's several sightings of a flying bus, and the explosions that we all saw were actually just fireworks. And Lady Christina has escaped to go get some sort of sapphire from Reykjavik. So yeah, all in all, 
not bad. I quite enjoyed this as a series. Um, is it better than class? Now there's a question I'm going to have to deliberate. Maybe mention that on the main pod. But yeah, I'm going to score this a flying bus out of 10. Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, I'm unsure when this episode's going to air. This weekend, David and I are sitting down to review Ascension of the Cybermen. So I might just bung it out the week following that episode's release, or I might save it till the end of the series. Unsure, but, I mean, if you're listening to this, you'll have a better idea of that. So all that's left for me is to paraphrase David and say thank you, dear listener, for your attention, your time, and listening to this episode. And hopefully... We will see you again soon. Take care, look after yourselves, and as always, bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.